It's the Craggy Island Rugby Podcast Road Trip. We're on our way to Edinburgh. 500 miles? Who knows? We'll work it out in the wild. But uh, this is the first of four days of special podcasts, and we want to dive right in. Alan Deacon, welcome along. Hi, Rob. Thanks a lot for putting my picture on the internet, eating a scotch egg. And getting the new batteries. Uh, yeah, and getting the new batteries. Batteries failed, but, you know, it's one of the things we've developed this season. We're, we're a team, and we've improved on last season, and I'm no longer in charge of batteries. William Davis. Good evening. Good evening. <laughs> Try again, William. Yeah, good morning, Rob. Yeah, one of the joys of me presenting is I get to have second takes, but you don't. <laughs> Unlucky. Hey, a big thanks to uh, our craggy chef, Aidy, who has produced some pretty incredible travelling food, including, including... A big, uh, what would you say, a hot holder for hot drinks? What would you call it? We've got, we've got our hot water, we've hot got water, our teas, yeah. coffees, we've got our cookies, we've got our scotch eggs from a, a recipe from her, her mum who's from Gervin, and we'll be passing through Gervin later on today. Oh, we will indeed. On our way. We've got the car flags on the car, we've got the, the branding Goy Bay Connick Tribune car on our Honda Civic, and we're looking forward to the big final. Okay, so what's coming up over the next few days? Well, coming up today, that's important. Murray Kinsella in the podcast, a little bit of his uh, renowned detail at this stage that he produces on the 42.ie, and I'm sure you're looking forward to his big match preview as well, folks. Um, if it's not up yet, it will be up. Uh, leaving that aside, Lindley McKenzie, good chat with her after the press conference. This is all William. He was doing all the work. We'll also hear from Tiernan O'Halloran, and uh, we'll set the scene ahead of the big game. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much the plan for day one's podcasting. We left nice and early, William, so we, like, we have time to just sit here at a picnic bench in somewhere in probably North, was in County Mead, are we in at the moment? Anyways, one of the Apple Greens north of Dublin. Yeah, it's like every picnic I went on as a kid. It's raining. It's great sitting outside in the rain. <laughs> yeah, it oh, you it's, can't call this it's rain. rain. It's bitten the best. Yeah, we bought a couple of coffees from the monstrous Apple Green, but at the same time we brought our own picnic as well, so it's a nice little balance here and we're using their benches. All right, moving on. Ireland team was selected. I want to talk a bit about that as well, but I guess without getting into too much detail, because we have loads of time to do that, how excited are you about the weekend, Alan? I just can't. I have no words. I'm just too excited for words. Yeah. I'm, I, like, I don't care whether we win or lose nearly at this stage. I'm so nope. excited. Yeah. Because it's just this is just like a mini Lions tour as far as I'm concerned. We took off at 10 to 8 this morning, and you know it's going to be travelling most of the day. We're seeing... Motorhomes on the way through as we were on the motorway, and we're going to see more and more conic flags. I'm assuming. I'm also assuming we're going to see Leinster people out there as well. We're going to set up a picnic in the uh, in the ferry port. We're going to be there nice and early, and hopefully people come and talk to us with our flags out, and um, we'll have a bit of crack. William doesn't like ferries. <laughs> So he's a little bit less excited, but don't don't take that as in not being excited about the final. No, I'm very excited about the final. Um, <laughs> no, less excited about the ferry. <laughs> yeah, ferry's perhaps not my thing, but uh, we'll see we'll see how it goes. A picnic. Can you send out a picture of him on the ferry on Twitter, just yeah, since you're we'll taking pictures that. of me yeah, eating? Yeah, we'll yes, a picnic at the Belfast ferry port. Well, that might be a first. Um, <laughs> certainly wasn't a place when I was a child you went for a picnic. Now it is seriously raining, so we're going back to the car. We're going to retire to the car. Hey, before we go back to the car, let's get, play the first bit of audio just to set the scene. You were talking to Lindley McKenzie. I was indeed, and uh, we just had a little chat as to where exactly Connett have magically got themselves this season. With Lindley McKenzie, long-time Connacht rugby journalist, in what is the most exciting week in the history of Connacht rugby. Absolutely brilliant, isn't it, William? I think I'm a bit like the players. I'm just trying to sort of keep calm and busy week, organising features and, and, and stories. So, But yes, it's, it's what 
this province has aspired to for so many years but been unable to do through different sorts of circumstances and now it's finally arrived and one more match and hopefully a trophy at the end of it. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Pat at the press conference there really almost downplaying it and talking about just the same week and the same plans. Uh, I wonder how difficult it is for the players to actually do that. Oh, I think for this group of players, probably extremely difficult in the sense that, you know, when Pat does talk about the experience of Leinster, yes, they have been there and they have done that. So they've had these big match occasions. They've been in, you know, the Aviva Stadium and they've been in World Cup Stadia. And so they've, they're used to keeping everything possibly low-key. They know how to deal with it themselves. They've probably, through experience, they've learned how to deal with it themselves. This is a totally new thing for this group of players. So I think there will be a few... Um, adjustments those players they might make some wrong decisions they might hopefully they'll keep it all level but it's a learning experience I think we're all nervous I think all the spectators are going to be nervous so I think like Pat Lamb says you have to embrace that nerves and let it let it show and hope you know I, I, I can't imagine what it was going to be like for that team in the dressing room I just, it's just, I mean, you know yourself how you, how nervous we get sitting on for big game matches. Imagine what it's going to be like for them coming out, how they deal with it and how Pat helps them overcome it. You know, we'll see what happens on the day. Well, I have to try to embrace it a bit because I am finding it quite difficult. Um, the whole process that we've gone through this season, uh, I mean, last season we finished seventh and we played some decent rugby. But to go unbeaten bar one game at the sports ground this year to, to put away performances at places like Edinburgh coming away with bonus points. It has been, a, it might be incremental, but it has been a much bigger leap than maybe people realise. Oh, I think it's absolutely huge. And in fact, you know, time ran out. I, I did want to actually ask Pat Lamb that question, at which point during the season that their, their aim was a, a top six, but at which point of the season did he kind of look and look at this team and think, good grief, I think we can go all the way. And did he think that until, or as he says himself, did they just play one game at a time? I find it hard to accept that you'd have to look at this team at some stage in the season and say, goodness gracious, this team is is going places. Um, incremental, yes, but, you know, a, a sudden leap. And it's almost like the last two years under Pat and the last couple of years under Eric, and, and Dan McFarland, it's almost like it's all come together. And, you know, it, Pat has got five years. He, in three years, he's taken Connacht to the first Pro 12 final. This, I think this season, it was the momentum that was built. Now, maybe Connacht capitalised on the World Cup, that teams that were a little bit disrupted. But at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter. They still had to go out and prove and have the confidence to win. Now, when they went to the Ospreys, yes, the Ospreys were without some of their internationals who were on, on duty. But at the same time, there's a psychological barrier that, that Connacht still had to overcome, never having beaten the Ospreys in, in Liberty Stadium. And yet they did it. And I think games like that, those matches and those wins, have just built a momentum that has... And, and, and players who have, for years, been wanting... wanting to be able to express themselves the way that they're expressing themselves now. And incredibly so, you've also, if you look at the experience of the players who have been brought in, like the Bundy Ackies, who are the galvanising galvanizing forces, they've been able to help sort of channel and, and lead this group of young players. And I think that's been, they've been vital as well. 
It was interesting when he was interviewed after the game on Saturday, uh, out on the field, surrounded by all the people. Um, he was at Bundyaki was asked by Graham Simmons of Sky about had he ever played in front of an atmosphere like this, and he said he hadn't. And they seem to have bought into this slightly different way that we approach rugby support here to maybe what you'd find in New Zealand. Oh, absolutely! Look in New Zealand. Everybody just, most people just follow rugby. It's an accepted. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to, clubs don't have to work hard for it. It's just accepted that people will follow rugby as the number one sport. So, I mean, I've been to, to super rugby matches in New Zealand and they are, they, you know, I've been to Crusaders, I think, a couple of times and the Hurricanes match. And yes, there's a little bit of um, excitement there. There's a little bit of fireworks. There can be, you know, Crusaders come out with their horses and, and their, in their sort of crusading outfits. And yes, there's a little bit of that. But it's, you don't have to, f- you don't have to fight as hard to get the crowd behind you because they're already there. And the other thing about, I think, New Zealanders is that they're very kind of, they are low-key people themselves, um, and I think you can see that with Pat. He does get, he, you know, you can see that you can see the passion and, and the enthusiasm behind the man, but they are very low-key sort of people. Um, whereas here, what they've what they've been able to do is they've been able to galvanise the crowd here that needed it, and I think Connacht rugby supporters were only just dying for this opportunity dying for this opportunity to get behind a team. And what a difference winning makes. I mean, let's face it, for the last, you know, 20, 30 years, we've had we've had a 500, 1,000 hardcore supporters coming up here and really, and, and fair play to those people, and this is for them as well. You know, those people who came up here in the wind and the rain at a miserable sports ground with no shelter and, and year after year came up and supported Connacht. But I think Outside of that, there were people who would have loved to have supported Connacht outside that hardcore group, and now they're actually we're actually seeing the benefits of it. Yeah, it's just a, a pity that this game in Edinburgh is proving so difficult for people to get to, and it's something that, uh, in my personal opinion, Pro 12 really should be severely questioned about because it's. It's a monumental effort to get there, and it's going to preclude a lot of people, you know, with families and children who might want to go. It's just not feasible. Yeah, I was, I was reading a journalist piece actually this morning about it, and I, I, forgive me, I can't remember who, who wrote it, but they were, the, the suggestion was that the um, the winner of the Pro 12 League before the the playoffs that should be in that country, in which case it was Leinster, and so it should have been in the Aviva, and I think that makes sense. Um, I, I'm, I, one would have to question I mean I know that it's in Italy next year and I know as I suppose the champions last year were Glasgow so it, it's in Scotland this year but one would have to look at the two teams who are playing in it and and particularly in Edinburgh this weekend when there's a marathon weekend on and various other numbers of things so you know, I wouldn't be too harsh on the Pro 12 in that sense, you know, they'd made the decision, you know, at the beginning of the season or last year or whenever they made it. And, but it's just unfortunate. And it is very unfortunate that you have two sets of two Irish teams. And, you know, and, you know if, it was, if it was Connacht playing Glasgow in the final, it wouldn't be so bad, would it? Because, you, you know, you, 
And from what I understand, there's a lot of charter flights also going to football matches. So I think it's just unfo- it's just unfortunate. It really is. But I'm sure there. I'm sure you know where there's a will, there's a way. Yeah, I think it's 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 just that it's up against the marathon, which is is well known as one of the biggest sporting events in Edinburgh for the whole year, um, which which is a tad frustrating. Um, who's going to win? Connacht, of course. Thank you, Lindley. That was the voice of Lindley McKenzie chatting to William. She'll be on her pod on Saturday, I guess, after the game, because she's flying over and back in the day, but she has loads of time after it, she said. Yeah, Looking might, forward to it. We might catch her beforehand and do a quick little stuff. Myself and William will be doing the podcast while you're commentating. Oh, that's right. You can shoot around the media room. We're live on Galway Bay FM from four o'clock, the Craggy Crew, until five. We'll have a big build-up. We'll be chatting to the fans, I think. What's the plan? We, we have to meet the fans off the bus, William, on Saturday. Tomorrow we're in the studio in Edinburgh on the breakfast show on Galway Bay FM. Tomorrow afternoon, press conferences. Yeah, it's busy enough schedule. We're, we're hoping to meet the buses on Saturday morning just to get a feel of what it's been like to travel four buses coming from Galway, one from Athlone, Balnaslow, and one from Dublin, which apparently contains a lot of people who've done the Bruce Springsteen concert and are then getting straight on the bus to Edinburgh. So what more can you say? Um, dedication. <laughs> so we'll be catching up with them. Um, they'll give us a flavour of what they're expecting and there'll be fans around. So, yeah, tune in at four o'clock Saturday. It'll, uh, you'll settle in with us. That's why you're talking about line stories. It's a real adventure today. So people are travelling whatever way they can. Exactly, exactly. And I'm expecting the closer we get to Edinburgh, the more we'll see the odd conic flag. I know, I know. Um, We're ahead of the posse a little bit, of course. On Thursday well, no, there, there are people flying now. There are people in, in airports. I saw a tweet last night where someone was on their way to Dublin Airport. Wow. <laughs> so there's there's people already over there. I think there might be one or two. Um, but you know, because sure. the flights Thursday to Monday were more affordable and stuff. Like yeah, that. exactly, exactly. Um, and I know Pat Lamb was saying he was, his family were going over today, so it's yeah. that they can go over and come back on the Monday. So yeah, um, yeah no, it should be yeah really exciting. What's happened since we spoke in the podcast? I was asking that earlier, but maybe in a bit more detail. Has much changed? We've just heard a little bit of chatter. No injury news from either team, or sorry, no injuries uh, from either team. Not that I'm aware of. I, don't, I think we. I think Pat said it was the the shortest injury list mm-hmm. uh, thing you had to give all year, and we've got um, no Danny Pullman's back in in the frame. Other than that, yeah, it's dealing from a full stack that he had last week. Amazing to see the Irish uh, squad selection that Quinn Roo gets in. Well, amazing just for the simple reason he's not getting into our 23 at the moment. But obviously, earlier in the season, his form was outstanding. And I don't think his form particularly dipped, really. It's just they've gone with Andrew Brown the last few weeks. Uh, maybe it's horses for courses, or maybe it's just a very, I expect it's just a very, very tight call. Um, I asked Tiernan O'Halloran about that, about how intense training was, and you'll hear that when, when, when the interview comes up a bit later on. But everybody wants to be selected, and some of these decisions must be really knife edge. It's just somebody who might be a couple of percentage points better. This At this stage of the season, it's very long in, very long season, so it's probably about trying to get the, the best use and the best fitness levels. Yeah, and... and the other, the other thing, sorry, as you think, it just popped into my head there, you're talking about what's happened since. I've been listening to, to Shaggy on News Talk and I've been reading Darcy in the, in the Times and there's a feeling that, you know, they still don't believe that we should be where we are. There's that yeah. feeling that 
these guys are looking at going, it's only because of the season that was in it. It's only because, um, you know, everyone was away at the World Cup and the Six Nations. And the we better aren't. players lines keeps coming up. Yeah. Leinster have better players, but Connacht are a better team. I'm not convinced. Like, like let's, let me give you a better player argument. First of all, Leinster, by their own actions, believe our centres are better than theirs, right? If we're being realistic. Bentillo's leaving them. They've bought, they've bought Robbie Henshaw. If you go to the back three, I mean, I'm not convinced their back three is better than our back three in any way. You look at some of the stats around Dave Kearney. Yeah, Luke Fitzgerald's sure good in the sparks when he's a fish, but uh, certainly Matt Healy and the Adiolo can play very well this year. Tiernan O'Halloran's been outstanding. And again, Nassie was amazing, but people need to watch Tiernan O'Halloran. He's been pretty much amazing as well this season. He certainly has. And it's not just about talent. Yeah. There's so much more to the game than just talent. It can't be purely on talent alone. Which is why you can't just throw a line out like better players. Exactly, and it's 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 brilliant. I'm assuming that they'll have that stuff up in the walls in the dressing room. The way that you know Leinster got wound up last week because they were told they weren't yes. good enough by Ulster. Yes. You know they're saying things like that about about Connacht, and you know we've shown all season. The the stat is during the season for on average for every game of the season in the Pro 12, the opposition had 250 caps on average in their team. When it came to after the Six Nations, that average raises to 415. Now, that's the full squad, to 1 to 23. 415 caps on average against us, where we're averaging, I think it's about 20. I didn't even look at ours because I, I just yeah. couldn't. Well, be. the last game there, there was about 32 in total. So yeah. yeah, and that's so, like, we're barely breaking 30 and they're averaging 415. Yet, we're still winning the games. We're still winning. We're still beating the Ospreys. We're still beating Munster. We're still beating Leinster. You know, we're still beating Glasgow twice, back-to-back after them coming off a, a nine-game winning streak. And no one could see us winning those games. So, like, we have nothing to fear. The pressure's on Leinster. Um, and our guys need to go and show that they are bloody good enough. William, you were talking to Tiernan Haller, one man who certainly plays like he believes he's good enough. I think they all, they all do. I think that's been drilled into them uh, to play like this. And it's also the fact that they have the belief in the system and the processes. And uh, Pat goes on, he talks a lot about that. Uh, he almost smiles sometimes because he knows people are thinking, oh, he's off, he's off again. But what he's saying is that's the way they've set it up. So there's no player going to be in that in the starting team or in the, the match day squad that doesn't believe that they're good enough to be there. And there'll be other guys sitting around bemoaning the fact that they believe they're good enough to be there and just didn't get selected. And it has to go back to something that, you know, everyone talks about how Mills was a bit of a disaster here. I don't believe it. You have to go back and look at the difference that we've been since he was around, the confidence he gave us, gave the young guy, the younger guys especially, by telling them they're as talented as anything he's ever seen. He's a 100-cap all-black legend, and he's telling these guys how good they are. Just that alone was worth whatever money we paid him because it's we've kicked on this year and he's been proven correct. One of the guys who really sparked off Mills Molaina and ended up taking that 15 jersey was Tiernan O'Halloran. He spoke to William on Tuesday at the press conference. With Tiernan O'Halloran here Tuesday afternoon. Obviously this big game coming up at the weekend but Pat Lamb at the press conference there saying to us you're just trying to do everything the same again. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um, you know, a lot of people have been speaking about knockout rugby and it's such a big final and it's such a big occasion. But I think as a squad, we leave that to the supporters and everyone outside it just to focus on and enjoy themselves and, you know, let the atmosphere build during the week. But for us, similar to last week, the semi-final, we'd never been in a semi-final before. So um, it, was, it was just a thing of 
you know, focus on what we can do and, and not change anything. You know, there's no point changing something at this stage of the season when you get the finals rugby because the reason we're here is because of what we've done all year. So you just need to rely on that and, and trust in yourselves and back what you've done all year. So that's just been a big focus from since we started getting to the playoffs. So just, you know, do what we do week in, week out and don't start changing anything or doing anything too crazy. It was a very emotional evening on Saturday here, a phenomenal atmosphere, which the players were able to, to revel in for a bit. But is it easy to sort of use that going forward, but also you have to park it? Yeah, I think so. You know, it, it was a very special occasion on Saturday. You know, it was a few of the lads, their last game in the sports ground, you know, in front of a packed out crowd and, and winning a semi-final that, you know, no one's been involved in before here. It's, it's just been massive for, for the city and for the province and, and for the team. And, you know, everyone was just so happy with it. But at the same time, I think you could see by some of the players' reactions, no one was really getting too carried away with it. You know, I think we, we kind of said once we got back in the dressing room, you know, this isn't, this isn't the end of it. We're not going to go celebrate now. There's a massive occasion next weekend and, and there's every opportunity for to, to go and get a win you know against a, a very good side but we're backing ourselves to go over to, to Edinburgh and just put in a massive performance and you know the celebrations would be all the sweeter if we could get a win over there uh, Leinster and Connacht is always a tight tough tussle uh, where do you think the key issues will be for Saturday evening yeah, it always seems to be a tight game, um, regardless of where the game is played. I think again, it's going to come down to defence. You know, like every time we seem to play each other, the two great attacking sides this year. You know, both teams have scored a lot of tries, but also we all we know how good Leinster's defence is. You know, they've been the best in the league this year in terms of tries conceded. So we're under no illusions. It's going to be a tough day, and 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 it mightn't be as much as there might be some good flowing rugby. We don't know how many tries are going to be scored as well. So we need to put in a massive shift in defence and, and trust our systems and stick to what we believe in, and that'll build them um, from early on of the week now from Tuesday onwards just getting a good hit out and, and uh, getting some confidence in what we're doing but yeah I think it's going to come down to defence on the day The voice of Tiernan O'Halloran there speaking to the media at the press conference on Tuesday we got caught up with uh, Lindy McKenzie as you heard already we also caught up with Murray Kinsella from the 42.ie Alan just a new wave of journalism coming into the way we cover rugby it's what you want to see it's something that has swept the sporting world in America anyways which usually leads the way when it comes to sporting journalism a little bit more detailed technical analysis journalism there's loads of room for different types of reports and Murray's certainly uh, cornering that market and what's great the 42.ie are bringing, into the, bringing this into their GA and soccer coverage too yeah, and it's it's the use of multimedia. It's the fact that his articles include clips, and the fact that he can you know he can draw little circles and lines and everything to show people what he's talking about. So it's not just words. The problem with newspapers and the fact that they're they're so static is that you have to rely on the descriptive capabilities of the writer. With rugby, it's so technical that you definitely need to have a look at the picture to see exactly what he's talking about. You yeah. can be as descriptive as you like, but seeing the picture, a picture tells a thousand stories, and then to have little video clips as well is just fantastic stuff. Yeah, because the thing is, like, there was flankers popping up on the wings for Connacht for six or eight games before I knew there was a really clear, discernible pattern. For a while, I just thought, yeah, there's some parts to this. They must set up like that. But it wasn't quite clear until I sat down and read Murray and he kind of just spelt it all out. And suddenly he started looking back on all the games. It was like it was like the Matrix. All, everything was coming together all of a sudden. You're saying, this all makes sense now. Yeah, yeah. He's the first journalist that's ever brought up a, a system like the 242 system, which, you know, I've never heard <laughs> the that. Coaches were bringing it in first and, it, and maybe the media weren't, weren't really getting that pattern and realising how maybe how simple it is when you sit down and look at it. It was not simple at first. No, and it, it takes a lot of discipline and it takes a lot of fitness mm. for our guys to do it and to be switched onto it and to be aware of it. And, and um, we certainly seem to play it very well. I know that the stats last week show that Ali Muldani was the second highest passer after uh, AJ McGinty last week with 14 passes. You know, you know we, we used to play with a second 5-8 when, when Robinson was there. 
Um, I think Mundowney's been playing second five eight for half the time. <laughs> <laughs> William, you spoke to Murray. Yeah, certainly did. And uh, as usual, when you uh, come across Murray, you learn something. I'm with uh, Murray Kinsler here of the 42.ie uh, rugby correspondent and the man who, in my estimation, watches more rugby than anybody else in the world, judging by the amount of information he fires out to rugby fans like myself. He does all the hard work for us. We just have to watch it and learn. Um, Murray, where, where are we at? Connacht in a final. Yeah, firstly, thank you very much for the kind words. A bit too generous, I think. But yeah, it's amazing. It's been an absolutely amazing story to follow, certainly as a journalist. It's probably been the highlight of the rugby season, really, in Ireland for, for everyone. And you'll, you'll kind of find that the neutral, even the Munster fan, the Ulster fan this week, uh, is going to be supporting Connacht. I saw a pretty funny kind of diagram of Ireland pointing out that Connacht now is three provinces, basically. So, yeah, it sums it up. It, it's been an amazing journey. Uh, for me, watching on, it's been fascinating as well that they're playing this brand of rugby, this skillful brand of rugby, New Zealand-influenced uh, style that, that just is capturing the imagination of, of rugby fans, really. Pat talks a lot about skills, upskilling. It's, it's a word that's used in all contexts, industry and business. But it really seems to have a resonance here um, with the way they're training. And you're looking at it from an analyst's point of view. What are they actually up to, do you think? Yeah, like, well, they kind of usher us away when the real training gets underway. But, um, yeah, like, like those little moments of skill. Like, we talk, we'll talk about that system. It, it's really important, that 2-4-2 two, two shape that really drags the defence wide to wide. They'll have two forwards in the left channel two forwards far right and they'll have a, a, pot of, a, a pot of four forwards in the middle of the pitch so they can organise their attack phase play that, that way everyone knows wh- where they need to be but within that you know it's meaningless without the actual skill so the decision making skill and the actual handling skill to put a guy away you're seeing Ali Muldowney a guy who maybe wasn't always renowned for his handling ability he actually thrive in that phase shape because he's worked so hard in his skill uh, also all the young guys coming through now who've been working with Nigel Carroll and Jimmy Duffy and Dave Ellis all these guys you know, their standard of skill is, is probably higher than what we previously had in Ireland anywhere. So the two of those things marrying together are, are really important. Like, the shape is really important, the culture is really important, but when you get down to all those nitty-gritty moments in this season that have won Connacht big games, like even go back to that, the knee Adiolokan try in the last game, uh, it was two moments of real sublime skill. Bondiaki's little grubber, just delightful. Like, that kind of skill in a high-pressure game with that lack of space and time is incredible and the need to pick it up swerve and, and beat a couple of defenders so like in those little snapshots of the season there you're seeing kind of skill level and that applies to defense as well you're seeing a guy like AJ or, or Aj McGinty and he's making these amazing tackles on big ball carries in front of him he's clearly been working on that you know Pat talks about the 10 minute spells they do after training and that actually affects massively the, the big games when you get into the big moments how do you think they get players into the mindset to have the belief? Because there must be times when they're learning something new and maybe it doesn't work and it doesn't work again and it doesn't work for the third time, maybe in another match. How do you, where does that come from so that they actually get the belief that we believe in the system. What is that? Is that's obviously part of the whole coaching mantra as well. Yeah. Well, like it's been a nice marriage of of a really creative coaching team and a group of players that's both young with a couple of experienced key heads that maybe what they were doing before didn't always work. So like guys like Mull, John Muldoon, he's been here for so long, he wants to achieve. Maybe the way they were doing things didn't always work. And those new young players coming through, they, this is all they know for a lot of the guys. This is what they're growing up with now. So this system is something that they've really bought into. Tierno Halloran mentioned today that 
it didn't work in year one. It didn't really work in year two. And it's still, sometimes it's actually not working. Uh, I think Shane Horgan as well earlier in the season made the point that, look, they're still making mistakes in this, in this shape and with this uh, risk, uh, risk-taking style of rugby. But at the end of the day, those instances do work. Like, you know, when a coach drills it into you, keep doing this, boys, it's going to work. And then it eventually clicks. The flood of confidence is unbelievable. And now we're seeing that everything they do is working. Even go back to that Glasgow game last weekend, Bundyaki smashes the ball up three times in the middle of the pitch and then about halfway through the first half again it looks like he's going to smash up off a scrum but there's a, a simple little starter play where he slips the ball inside to AJ McGinty and it's a half break he makes an offload I think Glasgow recovered it but they eventually scored three points off that, that phase of, of attack really so even little tiny deals like that in your game plan are working so well and that just floods your confidence so that even when there is a mistake you go hang on no this has been working for us let's keep to this system let's keep to these structures Confidence levels with Connacht must be very high. They must be absolutely delighted. They have to to close down, in some ways, the, the emotional side of it. Uh, how do you think they're going to do on Saturday evening? Yeah, like it, that's kind of the unknown, I guess. But every time you've doubted whether they're going to handle the emotional occasion of playing Glasgow, even on the last day of the season or in the semi-final, it hasn't really been an issue. Like I thought it was actually really interesting. About five minutes into the game last weekend, I saw Tiernan O'Halloran. It was only a tiny little incident. He got kind of pushed into touch and he kind of swung an arm at the Glasgow player. And like, obviously, you don't swing an arms at anyone, but it showed how aggressive he was and how in the moment he was. You know, you go into that semi-final and it's your first big game maybe like that. It's actually easy to go into your shell and not be that aggressive, assertive player. Whereas we saw actually Connacht were taking the game to Glasgow and and realistically, a five-point uh, five margin was very fair. If, if not, they were better than that in the game, I thought. So, so they've, they've managed those, um, those instances as well. It does seem to be quite a mentally strong group. Even the young players like Kieran Marmion, Marmion rather, and uh, Robbie Henshaw, they're, they're strong young guys. So I think they'll be able to manage it. What, what is interesting, though, is the fact that Leinster, we saw in their semi-final, that they are just built for knockout rugby. I mean, their aggression levels were absolutely off the charts. They were smashing rocks, really simple game plan, kind of one-out rugby done really well. Johnny Sexton, uh, majestic kicking game, and all the big players turning up. So I think on paper, if those guys turn up, then Connick's task is all the more difficult. But as Lam has said himself, it's, it's probably the best defence against the best attack, so it's going to be absolutely fast. Right, we have to get on the road. What time is it, Alan? Uh, just gone 12. What time's the ferry? I don't know. <laughs> William, what time's the ferry? Ferry leaves at 3.30. We have to check in by 3 o'clock. William, every time I mention ferry, your tone of voice goes down into kind of a, a defeated, disappointed man. What was it you said this morning? You were looking forward to doing some stuff in the airport uh, shop where you're going to get your lottery and stuff, and then you suddenly realise I'm not flying. Uh, yes, but I've managed to find a lotto here, so I've wasted a fiver the contribution to the government. Fair play, another tax. I'm starting the car. There it goes. All right. Okay, here's what's coming up this week. First of all, if you want to sponsor our podcast, now that we're getting more popular, please do. You can get in touch with us uh, via at Craggy Rugby Pod. William, we wouldn't mind some questions for the next pod. Yeah, absolutely. Get them in and uh, we'll try to answer them. And if we can't, we'll get Murray to answer them. So our next podcast will be out at lunchtime tomorrow. What's going to happen in between then, there and then? Well, we're going to do a little uh, video or video diary. How are we going to do a video diary? Let's try it again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we could try. We're going to do an audio diary. There'll be no more pictures of me eating, Alan. Jeepers <laughs> tonight. Big thanks to AD for uh, uh, a fantastic selection of food. We have to get her a present in Edinburgh, William, to uh, thank her for all her work. That's one of our missions. 
fudge. They sell a lot of fudge in Edinburgh. <laughs> they do, and I know with 80 Scottish roots, she'll appreciate some nice fudge as well, so we're safe there. Uh, that's that covered, but do try and tweet in your questions, and in the meantime, enjoy your travels, whatever way you're getting there, and if you're not getting there, we're going to make you feel like you're there with these podcasts as best we can. So uh, tune in to Galway Bay FM as well tomorrow, because in between this podcast and the next one, we'll have been live on Galway Bay FM in the late, later part of the Molly and Ollie morning show, around about quarter to nine, and we'll be on the Keith Finnegan show as well. And we're going to be chatting to Jerry O'Donnell as well. So what time should we be in Edinburgh, William? Uh, roughly 9.30 tonight. So nine and a half hours to go. It only takes an hour on a plane. <laughs> Driving music here on our way to Edinburgh. I haven't quite worked out if it's 500 miles. We think it's 500 more, to be honest. <laughs> That's on the playlist too. So this song is from 1983, right? 85. That's the year Connacht beat Leinster and Donnybrook, I think. I think Henry O'Toole kicked three penalties. And it wasn't in Donnybrook, it was in Lansdowne Road. We do need Ralph O'Gorman for that. Did you ring him? A phone call coming up in the car a little later. Thursday afternoon, and we're heading to Edinburgh. It's Thursday morning, for that's <laughs> It feels like Thursday afternoon because we're up so early. It's Thursday morning.